Thanks for tuning in to the Diabetes Dish Podcast, brought to you by OnTrackDiabetes.com and the OnTrack Diabetes app, available for the iPhone and Android. Here's your host, Maureen Connolly. So the Diabetes Dish is brought to you by OnTrackDiabetes.com, the lifestyle website for managing all things diabetes, and the makers of OnTrack Diabetes app, the one-stop app for tracking blood sugar and so much more. Hi listeners, the topic of today's show is something I've wanted to cover for quite a while. Uh, We'll be spending the next half hour or so talking about bariatric surgery and its impact on overweight and obese patients with type 2 diabetes. Obesity is a problem for millions of U.S. adults. Some sobering statistics. Currently, two-thirds of the American public is considered overweight, overweight or obese. And obesity is a key factor in the explosion of the diabetes epidemic. More than 85% of the 29 million Americans afflicted with type 2 diabetes are overweight or obese. Diabetes kills more Americans every year than AIDS and breast cancer combined. And obese patients who undergo surgical procedures, including bariatric surgery, not only benefit from losing a significant amount of weight, but many also experience a remission of their diabetes. For many type 2s, multiple medications and insulin are no longer needed. Of course, as with any major elective surgery, there are many factors to consider before making the decision to undergo surgery. There are also risks involved. Excuse me. There are also risks involved. And today, I have two amazing guests here to discuss this topic. Dr. Scott Kunin is the Director of Metabolic and Bariatric Surgery at Seniors Sinai Medical Center in Los Angeles. I'm also proud to call Dr. Kunin a, a member of our editorial advisory board for OnTrackDiabetes.com and Endocrine Web. And we have Nancy Kanashiro. Nancy's a featured blogger on OnTrackDiabetes.com, and her blog, Weighty Issues, is beloved by readers. And her quest to bring her type 2 diabetes under control led her to Dr. Scott Kunin. So together, Kunin and Nancy have written the newly released 21 Things You Need to Know About Diabetes and Weight Loss Surgery. The book was published by the American Diabetes Association and is available on Amazon and shopdiabetes.org. Welcome to both of you. Thank you, Maureen. Yeah, hi, Maureen. Hi. So, Dr. Kanine, I'll start with you. Uh, When you began your career several decades ago, did you ever expect that you'd be doing so many surgeries on people with type 2 diabetes? Yeah, actually not, Maureen. No, I started Mm -hmm. off as a general surgeon who focused mostly on trauma and critical care. So I was taking care of the very severely and and, uh, intensely injured patients. And then uh, we started this knowing that it was a, problem that was really uh, growing by leaps and bounds in the U.S., you know, it's something to sort of do on the side, and it just sort of took over my practice. And so how many patients on average would you say in a, in a given year that uh, come in that you operate on with uh, type 2 diabetes? Yeah, uh, about 25% of the patients that come in for weight loss surgery are diabetic. And so right now I'm doing several hundred cases a year so you know, over 100 are going to be diabetic. Okay. And can you, you know, for the listeners, provide a brief overview of what the procedure entails, and then maybe after that explain, um, which I this is the part I find fascinating, you know, the metabolic changes that can come about um, that can be a real game changer for people with type 2 diabetes? Yeah, to, to, yeah, to keep it simple, what we do is we reroute the path that food takes through your body. Uh, with the gastric bypass, we're going to bypass over the stomach, uh, with the sleeve gastrectomy, which is the other procedure which is popular, 
we reduce the size of the stomach so the food flies through faster. Uh, the delivery of food into the intestines at a different rate than usual makes communication changes, which results in people being less hungry. And in the case of diabetes, your body handling sugar better. Okay. And so how do like patients decide between the surgeries? I guess there's a lot of, you know, ahead of time consult, uh, cons you know, appointments where you come in and, yeah. mm -hmm. and so, yeah, so, so what we do more is we, we give an informational seminar. So we have the patients come in, we talk generally about what obesity is, what it, you know, what things it does to your body. We give a description of the procedures with the gastric bypass. We show those pictures. We talk about the risk benefits, how much weight you might lose, what, how it may affect different diseases uh, you know, more effectively than other operations. Mm -hmm. And then we talk about sleeve gastrectomy. And after we talk about the entire package, we look at the patient as an individual and we say, you know, this operation may work better for you because of this. This one may work better for you because of that. And uh, we come to, you know, a decision which would be the optimal procedure for them. Okay. Uh, and so so it's a lot of education. Right. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. I was going to ask you, is this one more popular over the other, you know, more commonly done or the sleeve or? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Over the last 15 years, which, you know, when these operations really became popular, gastric bypass started out as, uh, you know, the, the best operation. Then mm -hmm. gastric banding had a short period where it was really popular. Then an operation that's kind of between the two and how people perceive is invasiveness. Uh, the sleeve gastrectomy uh, came uh, on the scene, and right now that's the most popular. So about 60% of the operations performed are sleeve gastrectomy. The other 40 are gastric bypass, and then really there's only a handful of gastric bands being performed right now. Okay. And the, the procedures, uh, do they take about the same time? Like, you know, the amount of time that you're on the operating yeah. table and recovery, maybe you could talk about that a little bit. Yeah. Because we're only working on the stomach, the sleeve is a little faster. It takes us about an hour. You know, a gastric bypass is between an hour and two hours. You're sleeping the whole time. So as far as the patient's concerned, you know, the time difference doesn't really matter. You're in the hospital for a day or two for both. You're back to work in a few weeks with either one. Uh, so as far as the recovery and everything else, pain, everything like that, they're very similar. Uh, patients uh, sometimes are better candidates for one or the other, depending on uh, comorbidities or illnesses that they have that go along with their weight. Mm -hmm. And in the case of today, we're talking about diabetes. So uh, gastric bypass helps diabetes a little bit more than the sleeve gastrectomy. So if I have a patient who comes in and they're on insulin and, you know, their diabetes is already relatively severe. I'm going to tell them that gastric bypass is a better option than the sleeve. If, for example, they come in and they have a lot of reflux, I'm going to tell them a gastric bypass is better than a sleeve. Now, if they don't have any of these things, then either one is, you know, quite, quite good at getting them the weight off and, you know, helping them with all their illnesses. But there are certain things like diabetes, which are better treated with a gastric bypass. Okay. And so the recovery, you know, I've personally had three C-sections, uh, which is no picnic, you know, trying to recover, you're in the hospital. Is it similar to that kind of like, oh my gosh, this, you know, really hurts. And then within a matter of days, you're shocked at how like it's trying to feel normalized. Yeah, mm -hmm. actually, actually one of the reasons these are more popular in the last uh, 15 years is that we now do them laparoscopically, okay. which means that we make little incidents. You know, they're less than an inch in size. 
versus that C-section that you had, which was big enough to get a baby out of your belly. So (laughs) that hurts a lot more than these little ones. So people are usually off pain meds after a couple days. It's usually the fatigue. And if they have to do a lot of heavy lifting in their jobs, we're going to be limiting them to less than 20 pounds for about a month. So those are the things that really affect uh, them getting back to work and feeling like they can resume normal activity again. But they're usually up and moving and about, you know, within a week. Mm-hmm. They're oh. just a little more tired. Yeah. Yeah, and that's the big difference between the big cuts and the little cuts. Well, well having had, ha- having had both Nancy of those Ray. surgeries, uh-huh. yeah, uh, because I, I had not only a C-section but a, a sleeve gastrectomy, and I can tell you that <laughs> having the baby was a lot more work. Uh-huh. Um, uh, still going on after 20 20- Five years. What can I tell you? Uh, however, um, the the uh, pain level with the sleeve gastrectomy, I was expecting a lot more pain, and I'm a wuss. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, I didn't take any pain medication. Uh, the way that I describe it is that the first day after surgery, it feels like you just did about a thousand sit-ups. Hmm, and I wouldn't know what that the next like. day. <laughs> I have never done it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I've been told, but I don't have any personal knowledge myself. The uh, following day, it's just a little bit better, and the next day, a little bit better. So the pain goes down uh, markedly, um, you know, each day. So, uh, I, I, you know, I am, I am the original, uh, you know, devout coward. I'm the chicken of the sea, and I got through it just fine. Yeah, and so I, I guess, you know, for pe- our listeners, we're probably pretty curious to learn how you came to the decision to have the surgery. The first surgery that I had a number of years ago was the lap band, and that's because I had been diagnosed as diabetic. Um, my numbers were out of control. Uh, my internist sat and shook his head at me, didn't know what to do with me. He felt that my kidneys were about to be affected. And I had tried every uh, every diet on the market uh, with varying degrees of success and failure. Um, and I finally said to him, what do you know about weight loss surgery? And his answer was, I thought you'd never ask. Mm. Yeah, and at the and time you were on three medications, right? And you wrote about that? I was on three, yes. I was on three medications and not doing well. And uh, so uh, he is, uh, he's the one who sent me to Dr. Kanin at Cedars-Sinai, and uh, basically the rest is history. Mm-hmm. Um, I had the lap band surgery and lost 60 pounds over uh, the course of a couple of years uh, and then kind of uh, evened out. Um, I then, uh, a year and a half ago, ran into um, a gallbladder problem, which is, uh, not unusual with uh, when you combine obesity and uh, diabetes and age. So that had to come out. And I said to Dr. Kanin, as long as you're in there, you want to take off the band and do the sleeve gastrectomy? And he said, yes, way too fast. So, okay, so how did that give you an advantage then to take off the band and have the sleeve? That's I find that interesting. Uh, well, the band, I, I, I think that the band had had its day. Oh, I see. And uh, there were so many people who were having such great success with the sleeve gastrectomy. I think that the 
um, that the band had already been uh, compromised, contaminated by the gallbladder problem, and was going to come out anyway. So I did not want to look at um, uh, regaining any weight. I wanted to continue to lose weight. Mm -hmm. So uh, the surgery was done, and I've... um, uh, now I'm down 100 pounds and off of all, all medication, all diabetic medication. And I have never been healthier. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry, Dr. Kneen. Oh, yeah, sure. I mean, I'd like to clarify, mm-hmm. you know, Nancy's interpretation a little bit. She, uh, so she had lost 60 pounds. Her health has improved dramatically. Uh, but after the course of a few years, as the body continues to deteriorate a little bit. Her diabetes started coming back and her sugars were a little bit higher. So because her gallbladder needed to come out and plus she would benefit from further weight loss and in addition the sleeve and the bypass have a little more metabolic or hormonal changes which uh, enhance the response to diabetes that she would benefit from getting off those medications have her diabetes improve further with the further weight loss plus those hormonal changes that came with the sleeve. So you know, I wasn't advocating just taking the band out because she had her gallbladder out, but because she would get further benefit from that second operation, meaning more weight loss, better diabetic control, as well as uh, something that seems to be more durable. So, you know, it was a, it was a good, you know, three for, for Nancy at that yeah. point. Yeah, I would say so. <laughs> and, you know, I thought it's interesting you mentioned that it took you uh, several years initially to lose those 60 pounds. And, um so tell me, how does that usually play out? Is that typical for most patients? And is it, I mean, I guess they say, if, you know, you lose it so yeah. much too quickly, that's not good either. So how, how does this, you know, work out for yeah, a lot so of most, Yeah, so most people with these operations maximize their weight loss within two years. But with a gastric band, it was a little more, it was a little slower than with sleeve or bypass. With a bypass year and sleeve, you lose a lot or two-thirds or so during the first six months, and then you're lose the rest of it in the next six to 12 months. Okay. On average, people that have about 100 extra pounds to lose are going to lose about 70 pounds uh, over the course of that year, year and a half. And then if you look five years out, a lot of people put on a little bit of weight. So they, out of that 70, they'll put on 10 to 15. So at the end of the day, five years out, you'll have 50, 55 out of that uh, initial 70 pounds you lost still off. Okay. And Nancy, maybe you can talk about what changed with your diet to allow you to, because it's not, you know, right. You're not just eating whatever you want. I mean, that's over. You're now having to accommodate for a smaller stomach. Um, And what did it, I don't know. What did you change? Oh boy, is it over. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Uh, Everything has changed. Um, Food used to be a, a, primary force in my life. Uh, it was, it, my social life centered around food. You know, uh, what, where should we go for breakfast? What's for lunch? Uh, where are we going to have dinner? Um, and, uh, you know, all, all of that has changed. Uh, food has now just become a necessity. Uh, some of the enjoyment of food is gone, but it's a trade-off. Because what I got from it um, can't be measured. So, uh, you know, I, I have figured that over the years, uh, Dr. Kaneen has handed me 10 years of additional life expectancy. I mean, how, how can you measure that? 
you know, I offered him my firstborn, but he met him and he didn't want <laughs> So what, is, what did so, your breakfast look like before the surgery and after? Um, I was, I, before I was heavy into cereals. Um, and uh, I tend to get into a rut, eat the same thing every day. I think I did years of special K. Um, uh, now uh, I, I have to look at making sure I get a sufficient protein in. So I start that at breakfast uh, with uh, whatever else I eat. I eat a hard-boiled egg and a little bit of Greek yogurt. So, uh, you know, that's a, that's a huge change. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you talked about restaurants and how you loved, enjoyed eating out. And I, I think about the people who are listening and saying, oh, my gosh, you know, the trade-off, right? No more, I don't know, whatever, you know, pasta or pizza. Um, but I, I assume, I mean, you can have these things, but just not in the portion size that we've all become so accustomed to. Well, you know, it's funny that you mentioned pasta and pizza because those are the those are the things that I avoid the most. Uh, when going out to dinner and making plans to be socializing, you know, I I'm always saying, just don't take me to a place where that's all I can get. Mm-hmm. Um, but every other place, most other restaurants will have choices that would be appropriate. And I go online before I leave the house and I look at their menus, so I'm not sitting there with everybody else holding up the works. I know what I'm going to go have. I may have an appetizer while they all have entrees because my, my capacity is so small. Um, but I, 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 my whole philosophy, I have actually a couple of philosophies. One is it's, it's not the food, it's the company. You know, I still enjoy the, the, the social aspect of, of being out and, uh, and, uh, you know, being among friends and, um, uh, you know, the, the other is, you know, just if I'm going to eat so little food in terms of quantity, it's going to be delicious. Mm. So I spend some time looking for the really good tasting, healthy little portions of food. Yeah, I love that idea. Uh, I, mean, I think, Nancy, uh, mm-hmm. could, I mean, could you address whether you're hungry or not or whether those small portions actually satisfy you? Because a lot of people... Uh, might come away thinking they just can't get the food in and they're left longing for more. Is that how you feel? Or oh, you no. Oh, no. Oh, no. I mean, I eat until I'm satisfied, not stuffed, you know, not overstuffed, not like it's Thanksgiving dinner and you have to loosen your belt. Uh, but I I don't leave a, a, a table hungry. I, I don't know that I've been hungry in two years. Since since uh, the sleeve, and that's having now, three that meals compare? a day, or in a snack here and there. How does that? Look? Well, you know, I got to tell you, being diabetic, I have to have three meals a day. Sure. If I I'm I I the I had prior to this, I had never missed a meal. I mean, people say, "Oh, I forgot to eat." I never in my entire life forgot <laughs> to eat. Uh, and now I find myself working through the lunch hour, looking at the clock and finding it to be two o'clock and saying, oh my God, I've got to have lunch because, you know, I'm still diabetic. And if I don't fuel the machine, it's, it's, that sugar is going to drop and I'm going to feel pretty crummy. So I make sure that I, that I eat on a regular basis and, and have stuff around for a little snack 
when I when I need it. So even though you're still you have type two by diabetes, you consider it in remission and don't take any medication or maybe a small amount of something like maybe explain that a little bit. I am not on any medication right now, but I'm still diabetic mm -hmm. and I'm handling it with diet and exercise. And uh, I'm going to make that last for as long as humanly possible, knowing that that remissions come in a variety of lengths. And uh, I want to be one of the lucky ones and keep it going for a while. Yeah. And Dr. Kinney, maybe you can speak to that, you know, this mentality. You know, I'm sure we've, people lis listening have heard this. It's, you know, not the quick fix, right? It's, this is kind of a serious thing. Yeah, you have to be committed uh, to, to the yeah. post, right? Like what, you know, eating healthy. And yeah, so maybe you could talk about that a little bit. Yeah, sure. The, uh, you know, so the surgery is one component of a healthy lifestyle. You know, what we, what we try to get into the patient's mindset is that they want to be active. So you want to exercise or move, you want to bring that into your life. If you don't already do it, you want to, you know, develop a healthy diet plan for yourself. Meaning if your usual diet is Cheetos and chips and French fries, you're going to have to give that up most of the time. And you're going to have to look for lean proteins, less fried food, more vegetables, more salads, you know, less ranch dressing, more vinaigrette, <laughs> things that, uh, things that seem obvious and things that all the patients know, because they're usually, you know, career dieters. So they know what to do. Uh, the big difference between a diet after the surgery and a diet, you know, before the surgery is that, the hunger is really controlled so that you're not starving when you try to reduce the calories. And so that's, that's what people don't even recognize until, until they've had it because everyone comes in asking, you know, if I had to live this life, uh, why do I need surgery? Because I know I'll lose weight if I go on this. Well, when we look at how people do about six months into a diet like that, their body rebels and makes them hungry and then they fall off the wagon, they gain all the weight back. With these surgeries, if you try to eat healthy, the body rewards you by, you know, making you satisfied with what you're eating, you're not hungry, and you're able to reduce your calories and reduce your weight effectively. Now, if you choose to treat the, your body like an enemy, you know, if, if the ice cream goes in and it doesn't make me sick, then I'm going to eat ice cream every night. If you try things like that or drink soda all day, you can clearly get enough calories in to maintain your weight or put weight back on. Mm -hmm. But if you try, you know, even a half an effort, you do well after these operations because the hunger control is just so strong that no, the body amazing. develops a new step point. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the sugar is the same thing. Mm -hmm. So meaning? Meaning, you know, if you're uh, diagnosed with diabetes and then you wouldn't go out and drink, you know, full sugar Coke all day and you wouldn't expect your sugars to be under control if you went out and tried to actively drink Coke and candy all day. So it's the same with these operations. You just try to stay away from the things that are bad for you, and then everything works out fine. So do you ask the patients in advance of the surgery to start exercising those healthy eating muscles and the exercise? I mean, I would, I would imagine you would, right? Yes. Have them go from Cheetos to like... Yeah, so what we, mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, so, so what we do is uh, they meet with us. We talk about the surgeries. There are also two components that they go through. They talk to a psychologist uh, for an assessment if it looks like they need treatment, you know, they just don't have good coping skills, then they'll start uh, psychotherapy. They also talk to a dietitian who will sort of look to see how they eat today, and then they'll make recommendations about how they should be eating, 
and then we reassess them, you know, over the next several months, usually as they prepare for surgery, to see if they if they've incorporated these changes so that they just don't have to, you know, cram the last minute or try to do it after surgery. The best time to make these changes is before we give them the operation. So we make sure everyone has all those things in line before we start. Okay, great. And Nancy, the most unpleasant thing about having had the surgery? Does anything come to mind? Oh, God. <laughs> uh, I miss those hot fudge Sundays. No, I'm kidding. That's not, that's not really true. I really don't. I thought I would, but I really don't. Mm-hmm. Um, I, 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 the pluses are so, they so far outweigh any minuses. I can't come up with, with, with a regret. I don't have one regret having had these uh, procedures. That's how good I feel. Now, the thing I would, I would just like to point out is that even if you didn't want to lose any weight, these operations do such a good job of reversing diabetes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, overall medications don't even come close to putting you into remission or, or cure, if you will, you know, which we, we tend not to use because diabetes can come back 10 years later. And so we don't like to say it's cured. But, but there's nothing else that does such a great job. And so even, even the major societies now are recommending this as a, a first-line therapy for people that meet the criteria for weight loss surgery, which is BMI of 35 with diabetes or 40 you know, without other significant comorbidities. So, so when you hit those numbers, this is the best treatment for you. Okay. And, you know, Nancy, I just wanted to touch on the fact that, you know, I admire you for becoming so involved with the, um, I guess, doing seminars and support groups uh, in the weight loss, you know, about your weight loss surgery experience. Um, uh, But I guess, you know, parting words, I mean, you sort of summed up a little bit just now, but if there's anything else um, you'd like the listeners to know, um, and I know, Nancy, you said, what at one of your blogs because you know as i mentioned earlier the the readers do love hearing from you i think you bring so much humor and um just kind of a lightness around a very you know serious condition so uh but you wanted um you know when you've tried everything so for people out there who have tried everything and they've given it all they've tried every diet you know and the weight still is there and they're dealing with things like high blood pressure and bad knees and back pain um, that there's hope. And I just love that you sort of summarized it like that in one of your blogs. So if you want to just kind of add. A little oh, I'm glad, you, I'm glad you read it. I like it. <laughs> uh, I think that the only thing that I would like to make clear to those listening today is that this is neither a quick fix or the easy way out. Okay. Um, this, this is what we hear from so many people who are facing weight loss surgery that their friends and families might say to them, uh, oh, this is, ah, that's just cheating. That's just the easy way out. It, it is neither. It's a lot of hard work. It's um, something that you deal with every single day of your life. But once again, it's the most worthwhile thing I have ever done for myself. Okay. Great and, words. Mm-hmm. And you were going to add something else? Yeah, I think that was it. Okay, good. <laughs> uh, and Dr. Kuneen, any parting words? No, I think I'd just like to echo what Nancy said, that it's, that, you know, for most people, probably 95 out of 100 people that, that meet criteria for these operations, this is 
is the only way out. So, so if anyone has reservations that, uh, you know, they should try diet one more time, you know, we always encourage that, but unfortunately most people are going to fail that. So, so, you know, I just want to encourage people. This is a really effective, safe option, uh, that's out there for them. And it, it really is for most people, the only way out. Well, on that note, thanks so much to the both of you. Uh, and for listeners who would like to read more, you can check out their book, 21 Things You Need to Know About Diabetes and Weight Loss Surgery. And uh, thanks again for being here. Well, thanks a lot, Maureen. Thank you, Maureen. Thank you, Maureen.